If you asked an adult old as I am what growed up in the country, we were taught some manners when we were youngins. We had manners, I'll tell you now. Never ever would you be caught taking the last piece of chicken off of the plate or the last biscuit. Now you'd sit there and want it some kind of bad. <laughs> but you know better than to take it off of the plate. I finished supper one evening and went over to the Ledbetter house and they was eating supper. And they was all sitting around the table there, Marcel and Claude and New Jean and Aunt Pet Ledbetter. Mrs. Ledbetter, as everybody affectionately called her, and they called Mr. Ledbetter Uncle Versy. Well, they was all sitting around the table and there's one piece of chicken left right in the middle of the platter. And all of them was a sitting there looking at it. A wind come up and blowed the lamp out. <laughs> and you could hear Uncle Versus scream just like lightning had struck him. And Aunt Pet jumped up and finally got the lamp lit. And there was five forks sticking in the back of Uncle Versus' hand. That's right. Two peas on a pod. Today we're talking about soundtracks, guys. I'm Jason, as always, with Dale. What's going on, man? You ready to talk about some soundtracks? Yeah, I'm just curious what the hell that was. Were you doing that? That was me. Oh, okay. Uh, That's Jurassic Park, man. Oh, I know, I know. I recognize it. I've been listening to that soundtrack quite a bit. <laughs> uh, That's why I did it. I've been singing it since you were uh, talking about doing soundtracks. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, man, uh, just, you know, I've still got my original soundtrack that I got, I guess, back in 93. Um, yeah. And, uh, dude, that, that music is just, I guess it's just, uh, you know, for hearing it as a kid so much, because I listen to it all the time. And uh, it just brings back a lot of good memories for me. And it's also a great soundtrack. You know, yeah, it's it all, well, you can you can insert any words into that song, too. Yeah. I've been singing to I the dog since I got home in that song. Uh, and he loves it. Uh, yeah, um, it's just, it's interesting to me listening to that and realizing that John Williams did that, and right after that he did uh, Schindler's List, which is a completely different feel to it, which it should be. Um, and I think Schindler's List, the soundtrack, is what made me respect John Williams, uh, as a composer, the fact that he could do different, you know, almost totally different sounds. Oh, yeah. sound fantastic, you know. He could work with that. Well, that's one I don't think I'm very familiar with. I haven't seen, I haven't seen Schindler's List since I saw it in the theater. It's, it's a beautiful and sad soundtrack. Um, the violin is uh, the most prevalent um, instrument in there, but... You know, then you have the chorus singing when they have the scene. Um, it's a song called Immolation. 
when uh, they're digging up all the dead Jews to actually burn the bodies, and they've got you know they've got the Jewish uh, prisoners, I guess the ghetto uh-huh. uh, prisoners digging them up. It's it's a horrible scene, but the music is powerful. Um, but uh, he, he, yeah, I think I think the guy who did the violin is a pretty renowned uh, violinist named Ishtar Perlman. I guess uh, I, yeah, I think that's his name. Um, he's he's pretty great at it. But um, that's cool. Oh yeah, it's a it's a good one. You know, if you feel really sad, check it out. Uh, otherwise, yeah, definitely something like Jurassic Park. Yeah, I definitely wanted to watch the movie again. I think I've got a, uh, I've got a DVD copy in there that I'm going to try to check out sometime soon. Just because you know, I know it's a good movie. I just have forgotten so much of it. I, uh, <clears throat> I saw it with my grandmother. I remember being kind of an odd movie to see with your grandmother at the time. <laughs> she. She brought me to see that, and she also brought me to see Dick Tracy. <laughs> As a double bill? No, no, no. <laughs> a double bill. Okay. No, uh, Dick, Dick Tracy was actually over there at uh, DeVille. I do remember oh, seeing okay. that. And I was looking at that theater, and that's it's like a YMCA now. What? And I was thinking really? of going over there and checking it out, you know, checking out the way it used to look and everything, seeing if they'll maybe, you know, let us inside to see, you know, maybe if there's anything left of the old theater. Yeah, I wonder. Um, it's, I, see, I don't know about DeVille, but I know some theaters probably still have areas uh, that are untouched uh, yeah. since they were converted, you know. Um but yeah, that'd be cool. That'd actually be a cool thing to do to go to old theaters. They're usually on, you know, on the main streets and towns. You can always see yeah. the marquees. Um, yeah. There's a shitload of them closing around the nation right now. They're shutting down left and right. It's such a shame. But, uh, Phil, have you seen anything uh, new recently? <laughs> well... Um, I I bought um, uh, Steven Seagal's uh, Hard to Kill, and uh, it finally came in yesterday. A Blu-ray. Oh yeah. Oh Blu-ray. And, uh, yeah, it's like four eighty-eight on Amazon. It may still be that, so I picked it up. Um, I could not remember if. Because there's two of his movies that are actually really well-made action movies. <laughs> and I couldn't remember if it was uh, Hard to Kill or... Because uh, I have Out for Justice. If it was yeah. either that or Above the Wall. And now that I have Hard to Kill, I know it's Above the Wall. Um, <laughs> it's, no, it's Fire Down Below is the one you're thinking of. God, dude. <laughs> the one where he preaches for the last 20 minutes about <laughs> environmental protection... <laughs> and he's like eating a Subway sandwich or two while he's doing it. Or two. Yeah. Or two. I just... Uh, I like to kill... Uh, it, it's fun. I like it. Killing LeBrock is in there. They were married at the time. 
Oh, okay. I know the one you're talking about now. I, I get all those movies confused. Oh, I see. I do too. Like I said, I didn't even know the difference between them because they're they're all their uh, titles are interchangeable. All of them. You know, I could you could call this one a bubble wall or out for justice. It would be the same damn thing. Um. No. But well, I uh, think the worst one he did, I think, was uh, Glimmer Man. I don't know that I've seen Glimmer Man. Him and uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans. Okay, I know I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. <sighs> and the last movie of his I remember seeing, I saw it in theaters, was Half Past Dead. With, okay. Um, what's the job rule or some shit? Oh, shit, no, that, uh, one actually, that one may be worse. That's, well, Seagal has gained, at this point, Seagal cannot move. You know, so they do close-ups of his face, and you'll see his extra chin. And then when he's doing action, it's obviously somebody 100 pounds lighter. Um, or he'll stand there, and all his enemies will come towards him. You know, uh-huh. and he'll just judo chop them, <laughs> and they'll explode. Um, yeah, it's gotten ridiculous now. The dudes, uh, he's he's not able to. To move like he, he used to. He has that sitcom now where he like rides around with the cops. Um, uh, yeah, he's like a deputy in Louisiana. I can't think of the name of it, but it's, it's had a few seasons. I hear it's, it's actually pretty good. I can't find it to watch anywhere, though. I've seen a couple of episodes of it. Um, the best thing about it to me is that once the goal, they do it from his point of view. And he's looking at uh, a perp. Uh, yeah, he gets perp. predator vision. <laughs> I'm not kidding. He gets oh, like this predator vision, whatever. It's like zooming in and shit, like like he's a Terminator or something. It's uh, it's pretty funny because all he's gonna do is just sit there in the passenger seat and watch the other cops go after him. Right. And he'll give the uh, he'll give the uh, the perp a um, like a speech, you know. Well, I know uh, if I was, give out autographs. If, if I was strung out on PCP and about to get the shit beat out of me, I would like for Steven Seagal to be there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Same here. I mean, uh, yeah. make the best out of a bad situation, right? He's just sitting in the seat while they're actually the cops are dealing with uh, he's just eating. the issue. He's, like a, he's got like a 50-pack of chicken wings like just in the back seat hanging out. <laughs> Well, he calls for pizza delivery to his car while he's sitting there. Um, and he's just got a, just a bucket of wings. Um, I don't know, man. In the 80s, he was actually pretty awesome. Because, um, I mean, he did all his own shit. But it was good. Um, I, don't, I don't doubt that. I, I think I'm one of the only people on Earth that never really got into Steven Seagal films for some reason or another. I just I never did. Yeah, I didn't at the time. It hasn't been to the last few years. Uh, I mean, I watched them all. You know, I watched all the films, saw most of them in theaters. I just never really, you know, he was never my favorite action star or anything. Like, a lot of people, you know, they, they love him. Well, uh, the best thing I've seen him in and really liked him in 
for the longest time was executive decision. Yeah, and that uh, is. I mean, he, he he flat out dies in that fast. He wasn't in there very long, right? That's what I'm saying. He he goes to go on this mission, and then uh, then he dies. Which that, I'll give the filmmakers that that was uh, that was out of left field for them to kill that, him off. Maybe why I liked it so much too. Yeah, have him die, and then you know Kurt Russell comes in and he's the hero. Um, That's a great fucking movie, man. I need to watch that shit again right now. Yeah, I, I see. I do too. Um, I could just about watch anything with Kurt Russell in it. Um, but yeah, you, I just uh, huh? Mark for Death was that the name of the one you saw? That's another one he did. That's, oh, no, that's not the one I just watched. What was the one? Yeah, that that's another one I've got to get. Hard to kill. Hard to kill. See, I can't even keep him straight, man. Yeah, it's hard to kill. Was nineteen ninety. Um, and it's it's fucking hilarious because it starts off in nineteen eighty. What is it? Three, I think it is. And <laughs> uh, he, uh, you know, he's just looking like Seagal. He. He gets yeah. this video footage of this uh, this uh, uh, city official working with the mafia, uh-huh. and uh, they go after him. And of course, they find him and they absolutely destroy his wife right there next to him. Like repeatedly shooting him with a shotgun. They shoot him about eighty times, and uh, so he lays over the bed. And uh, they think he's dead. Basically, he's in a right. coma for seven years. Dude. When they have him, when they jump forward in 1990, he's got this shitty fake-ass beard. Uh, <laughs> it looks like ass. It looks like that, that shitty chimp fur or some crap yeah. on his face. It looks like a, a gorilla mask. He's um, got a, a face murking. Dude, it's awful. I mean, it looks... Yeah, exactly. It, it, it looks like, yeah, the old 70s bush on his mouth. <laughs> uh, which... I have to say that uh, that Fluffy, that comedian Fluffy, has something out uh, now. And uh, the, the display in Walmart with his face puckering up looks just like a pussy. <laughs> One night, I got 11 cakes. 11. And I took them home because I was local. <laughs> and that's a fight no one has ever had at 3 o'clock in the morning. No one. Because you don't just walk into the house with 11 cakes. You make some noise, you know, freaking... <laughs> And I walk in with the last two cakes and my girlfriend's in the kitchen. What the hell is this? I'm trying to be cute. It's a bakery. Because he's got so much fucking hair around it. Dude, I was saying like, like twenty minutes before I, before we got on this call, how much I hated that dude. I could not stand that. Is it is it Mencia? No, that's not Mencia. It's uh, whatever the guy's name. Fluffy. I fucking hate that. Yeah. Guy. Uh, I hate seeing that face. He's got some uh, sitcom on now that was on, and I almost like destroyed the television trying to turn it off fast enough. 
called man. He's probably gonna have Honey Boo Boo on there at some point because she could use a job. Yeah. You know, like she's not exposed to pedophiles on a daily basis. <laughs> um, but well, uh, no, go ahead. Uh, no, I'm just saying that movie though was just. It was just funny that his face was clean shaven, except for that beard. Right. Um, they just a little ridiculous. And then I, uh, my favorite line of it is like, "You can take it to the bank, the blood bank." And he's just sounds uh, all serious uh, when he says that's it. That's great. That's great. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's uh, it's. it's I was reading about killing a Brock. Because you know they were married for years and apparently had a bad divorce. Oh, and, yeah. uh, she stated something to the effect that she had been raped a lot when she was, you know, for years. And so by, by the, him, the, well, the interviewer asked her because she mentioned this. Cause I guess she had come out with a book right. a few years ago, and uh, they asked her, so "Are you saying?" Steven Seagal raped you, and she's like, she wouldn't say yes, she would not say no. She was like, well, Steven was a part of my life for a while, and, uh, you know, good or bad, so that's what it is. But, I mean, that's a pretty big statement. I mean, you need to, you know, kind of clarify what you say. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's, see, I don't know how he was to her, you know. So that kind of leaves me wondering, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't think Seagal in his state now could do that, but uh, at the time, yeah, I could see it. But I don't know. It's it's it was a fun movie as it was. Uh, uh, one of the bad guys was that uh, <clears throat> dude from Renegade. Uh, Rizzo not Rizzo Lamas, Lamas uh, not him, the other guy, the Indian guy. Okay. Couldn't tell uh, you. He was, my life. Yeah, same here. He was also, I can't remember, was he in Briscoe County Jr. as well? Oh, I can't remember. Oh. Yeah, it was fun. That's that's. Uh, I've also been watching the uh, second season of uh, Impractical Jokers. Oh yeah. Um, that's always what do you good. think of that? It's a pretty good season. Oh, I love it. I mean, it's the longest season because, <laughs> like, like you and I were saying the other night, and it lasted like a full year, a year and a half or so. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, yeah, it's 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 uh it's really funny. I love the show. I just uh that's when they started really punishing Murr a bit too heavily, I think. But uh yeah, I love the show. I'm glad it you know, the second season finally came out on D V D. Yeah, man. Um, that was over two years ago. Well it took them forever to release season one. You know, season yeah. three was in full swing when season one finally came out. Because uh, I think it was True TV had never released anything on DVD, to my knowledge. Oh, really? And uh, they, uh, I guess they were just going to stick with that. But 
Jokers, which, you know, popular enough for that. Like, you know, all the, the only other shit they have is, like, Wizard and Wick towing, where everybody has to be, you know, a metric ton to be on the show. And a, huh? I watched an episode, or about half an episode of that show the other day, just because it was on, I guess. Like, that's some of the most scripted shit I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. A lot of that stuff I, is. That show is awful, like garbage television. Well, there was another show where they uh, uh, they posed as this this group or company or some shit where uh, owners of restaurants could contact uh-huh. them and they would they would have people in there to infiltrate and figure out if you know like they would yeah. say okay somebody's uh-huh. stealing you know um, uncover the name on the. Uh, something undercover. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, it's that's restaurant. Undercover. Restaurant undercover is that it? I guess that's it. Some stupid title oh, like that. But yeah, I had one where this 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 girl was like one dude was going surfing every day, and then this other girl was stealing all the all the. Uh, Oh shit! The uh, food coupons or some shit. They like free appetizers and all that. Just handing those out, and it all turned out to be more shit. Totally scripted. But yeah, I, I, I like Impractical Jokers. I don't have a problem saying that because you know, people like watching dog shit. That's how. Well, that's that's uh, you know that's a comedy show though. Yeah. I guess you could argue for some of those towing shows and all that being the same thing, though. Yeah, but, I mean, they're taking horrible scripts and people that can't act are trying to pull it off. Yeah, that's, uh... That shit's awful, man. All those shows are like that, though. All those reality shows, like, you know, Kardashians and whatever. It's all scripted, yeah. Like top to no, bottom, I can't, I can't stand more I mean, those folks are a little better at pulling it off than this. Uh, was it Lizard Lick? Toe? No, not Lizard Lick. Uh, this was uh, South Beach Toe, the one I was talking about. Oh, okay. What'd you say, Lizard Lick? Yeah, that's one of them. And uh, yeah, there's like twelve towing shows on television. What the fuck is wrong with these people? Well, it, it's towing and then uh, storage and uh, yep. shows. There's a pawn. ton of those. And pawn shops. Uh, yeah, pawn shops. Uh, and then uh, I, I haven't seen any others coming about them, like Honey Boo Boo. Um, but what will happen, I, I, guarantee, I guarantee you something's going to come up to take up that uh, space on banking by them canceling that. Or like uh, the Duck Dynasty motherfuckers. Like, there's all kinds of rednecks on TV now. You know, there was like a dude, like Turtle Man or some shit they called him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did watch that occasionally. That was, uh, Turtle Man and uh, Billy the Exterminator and... Uh, fuck, there's so many of them. Yeah, yeah, there is. Like, uh, Louisiana is like the plethora of picks to do reality TV shows on. 
Um, it's like the new Bollywood. Oh, Louisiana? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be... If it turned into actual Bollywood, I would love it. Because Bollywood <laughs> is pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I love Indian movies. Every one of them that I've seen, I love. Uh, they just stop whatever they're doing. Like, there could be a gunfight. Yeah. Like, some natural disaster, and they stop and dance. Dance, yeah. It's just, that's just awesome. Like, they're about to kiss, but they can't kiss because uh, Hindus don't like kissing. So instead right. of kissing, they start, like, peeling oranges or some shit. And they, they sing about that for, like, ten minutes, about peeling oranges. Oh, really? They don't they don't like to kiss there, huh? No. I didn't realize that. I don't blame them. Yeah, yeah. There should be no physical contact between anybody ever. It's just P's and V's. That's all it's about. In and out. <laughs> In and out. Yep. Operation Nut. Yep. Somebody come and tow their car. No, they eventually something like, exciting is gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, I won't, I won't spoil what happens, but uh, okay, it was a lot of fun. I did really enjoy it. It, it was, uh, it has uh, a Nick Offerman. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. That He's from like uh, sounds familiar. Parks and Rec, and uh, you would recognize him if you saw him. He usually has the big mustache. Oh yeah, okay. Exactly. He's done tons of uh, tons of comedy stuff. 
But he um, he plays the main kid's dad in the movie, and I mean it's kind of a touching movie, but it's also got got really funny parts to it. Hmm. It was compared to uh, Stand by Me by by a lot of people. I don't really see that comparison at all. Um, this is much more tongue in cheek, much more comedy than Stand by Me was. Hmm. It was what year was it made? 2013. Oh, okay. Sorry, it's recent. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was. Uh, I forgot why somebody mentioned that to me uh, to watch it, but uh, but yeah, I liked it. Hmm. Um. Uh, the other thing I did watch was a documentary. Um, it's called Neshoba. Huh? And it's about Neshoba County here in Mississippi. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's about the uh, the trial of Edgar Ray Killen. Uh-huh. Uh, you remember that trial going on. So it, it has interviews with a lot of different viewpoints about it because this was filmed leading up to the trial. Um, so Killen's in there. He's interviewed. He's about eight years old at the time, um, but you also have interviews with uh, like the mother of the uh, uh, the black guy who was killed because it was about the, the those murders in uh, Pilhatchie, the three civil rights workers, James Cheney. Is that the one you're talking about? Yes, that's him. That's him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you had interviews with his mother, uh, his brother, his little brother. Uh, uh, the the mom of uh, one of the other guys, and then the wife of uh, the twenty four year old guy who was killed. Um, two white guys and a black guy. Is that right? That that were killed. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, a big a big story that we always read about in school. Yeah, I think every year yeah. we'd read about that again. Uh, yeah, I heard about it all the time as it was going on. I didn't pay much attention to it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, you go back and I guess uh, the older I've gotten, the more interested I am in, in uh, you know, the history of the state. So it was, it was interesting. I mean, Killen was pretty, pretty sure he was not going to be convicted, but, you know, he was. Uh, Refused to, you know, admit that he had done it or admit that he'd even been a part of the Klan. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, oh, I guess, he, uh, the, he was with the Klan then. Yes. Okay. He also was a preacher. And if a preacher is going around killing people, there's a problem. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, he wasn't the only one involved at all. But, uh, he was the one they chose to go after. Not sure why they chose him. Uh, he may have been the only one still alive. No, they were. There were several still alive at the time. Oh, really? And this—I mean, he's still alive. He's eighty-nine years old. Oh, he's uh, still okay. I was thinking he died in prison. Okay. It was. There was another one that also Byron David Beckwith was the other one. He was convicted of killing uh, Megar Evers, I believe. That's, he died. That's, I think I'm getting him confused. Yeah, he was old as hell too, uh, wasn't he? Yes. When he got convicted, yeah. Um, 
which that that was here in Mississippi as well, the death of Megar Evers. Yeah, I was in Jackson, I think. Yeah. My dad um, uh, told me the story just the other day how they were at a uh, a jewelry store right there around where it happened at uh, my grandfather's jewelry store. And uh, hmm. when it happened, you know, and it was just like cops everywhere all of a sudden. So it's crazy. Yeah, it's, you know, it's they, a were, mess. they were expecting a riot, you know, the cops were. Yeah, of course. Understandably. Uh, yeah, definitely, man. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, I mean, the documentary was interesting. It really was. I just don't think it, you know, even convicting him was enough, you know, mm-hmm. to make up for that. They had, they had pictures I'd never seen of them because they didn't find the bodies of those men for six weeks. And, uh, they were buried under a, uh, an earthen dam, I think, that was uh, in the process of being constructed. Um, and they they show pictures of them, and it's pretty awful. Uh, the white guys were apparently shot in the head, and that was all. They were dumped in there. One of them was apparently still alive. There was still soil. There was soil in his nose and his mouth. Oh, well. Um uh, the Cheney, that guy, was mutilated, apparently, before they killed him. Which, from the stuff I've read about the Klan, was par for the course for them. Yeah. Uh, they, they would mutilate the, any, any blacks they came across. Um, it's, it's, it's sad. It's really, really awful. But it was, uh, it was, it was an interesting documentary. Yeah. Um, it puts a black mark on our state, too, you know. It does. Understandably, but that's the kind of shit people remember, you know. Like, it's, yeah. that's the kind of shit people think of when they think of our state. And it's kind of kind of sad, but, you know, I can understand why it's that way. But uh, did it did it feel like it was a pretty unbiased uh, documentary? Yeah, yeah, it did. I mean, it had, you know... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I've got to say yes. Because <laughs> uh, they had an interview with one old white dude who was uh, very much unapologetic. You know, he was like, you yeah. know, saying, well, you know, there's an old saying, if you go looking for trouble, you're going to find it. It sounds <laughs> like those boys found trouble. And he just starts laughing. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, the shame is, is that our generation and generations after us are going to have to deal with that legacy. Um, like, I myself, I don't feel like I should apologize for it because I didn't do it. My apology right. would ring hollow. I have nothing to do with it. Right. Uh, and that's not going to get anything done. Right. Uh, we just have to make sure none of that happens again. Yeah. And I think we're going in the right direction. Um, I yeah. Just, I mean, it's, it sickens me, but, you know, yeah, I, I can't I can't deny the facts, and I'm not going to. There are people who do, but, I'm, I mean, they're there. Yeah. Uh, the whole situation's sad. It is. It's, uh, it's, you know, for me, that's what people think about Southern whites. and. 
you know, with you and I living here, we know that that's not the case for, you know, it's not like all of Southern whites are like that. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, that, those are the ones you're going to remember, of course, because they're the ones right. bombing places <laughs> in Jackson and shit. Right. Yeah, you're going to remember that. I, I get that. Well, they're the ones uh, that are going to get on the news, you know. They're yeah, the ones that are going to be all about. postered all over everywhere. Um, yeah, it's, um, well, I don't know. I, you know, like, this has all come to life from a research paper I'm doing, so it's uh, it's certainly helped me learn more. It's particularly about the Klan and its activities here. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, you can't you can't deny all that did go down, and uh, a lot of white people did act pretty terrible uh, yeah. at the time, and uh, you know. They, they were shitheads. And uh, I just think, you know, if you want to make it a race thing, I think we're we're better than that, you know. But, uh... I yeah, see this. I'm it's actually free to watch on uh, on uh, on Amazon Prime right now. Yeah, that's why I watched it. Oh, awesome. So, it's uh, pretty interesting. Just call it Neshova. Uh, if you have any interest in that, and, you know... Uh, by all means, check it out. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'll definitely check it out. It's but, it's not inflammatory like some of that stuff is. It just kind of presents it as is. I, I probably wouldn't have watched it had you not said that because a lot of that stuff is, and that's what really ticks me off. Like it, it starts out with an agenda, you know. Yeah, and and I'm not I'm not about that, you know. Well, I'm not either. Uh, uh, you know, I've heard enough about that my whole life. Well, we live in, you know, we, and it's going to be here for a long time. So, you know, we just, like I said, I mean, it's the whole thing about history. That's why I love history. You just, and there are people, there are people who want to revise this shit and deny it happened or yeah. twist the facts, you know, to, to suit their, their agenda. Um, your quite biggest case in point will be Holocaust deniers. Oh, yeah. um, and those people are disgusting. And, you know, historians, good historians don't go into that shit with an agenda. They see right. something interesting and they try to learn more about it and right. spread that knowledge. Uh, that's, that's what should be done. Don't, don't sit there and twist it to make it, you know, I, I could take and twist it to make it seem like, uh, you know, the whole civil rights thing was, you know, it was a good thing. Or twist it to either either end, you know? But I just prefer yeah. to uh, show it as is. Yeah, you well, make your own conclusions. Yeah. yeah. And the facts say enough, you know? That's but, my big uh, problem yeah. with with media in general. That's why I don't I don't read or watch a lot of news coverage because it's all you know, from one perspective or another. Well, and that's going to bring me to another point here about that is uh, news now, facts have nothing to do with it. Fox News says it's, you know, factual. It's not. CNN is not. None of them are. They are all pushing an agenda. 
every one of them. Um, it's trying to make this money. Is they're trying to make well, money. Well, yeah, they're and, trying to incite their fear them. and all that shit. That's yeah. what they're doing. Exactly. Um, they're, they're fear mongers. Yeah, fear fear makes money. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I was looking at the... Um, the uh, collection of uh, movies here at USM, and uh, they had Fahrenheit 9-11 in there, which mm-hmm. anything by Michael Moore should be thrown out. <laughs> the guy is a propagandist. That's all yeah. he is. I watched Fahrenheit 9-11 in theaters. Oh, oh yeah. And, uh, you know, at, at the time, I still liked Michael Moore until I opened my eyes yeah. and realized this dude caters to to fear, and he caters to his own uh, agenda. He's all about that. Michael Moore is not a documentarian. That's why it's, you know, the Oscars giving him best documentary of the year was yeah. ridiculous. I mean, the Oscars is a sham anyway. It's all bullshit. But uh, that's not a documentary. Nothing he has ever made is a documentary. He has a slant to it. He's always pushing his own views on it. So he is a propagandist. There's a huge difference yeah. between the two. A propagandist is dangerous. Uh, either way, he's got his, his leftist slant to everything, but you know, if he had a rightist slant, I'd be saying the same thing. Exactly. It's all dangerous. You know, it's that fear mongering bullshit. He's just uh, you know, that Columbine, bowling for Columbine was the same way. He goes to Charlton Hessen's doorstep. Why? <laughs> That's horseshit. Um, I mean, the NRA to me is not the problem. It's you know it uh, it is a whole other issues with with the gun thing, but uh, that him doing that showed a complete lack of class. And you know he's just he's, he is exactly the fat blob you see on Team America. That's Michael Moore. He's just a, uh, all he is is a piece of shit when it comes to that. He's not giving you the facts. He's trying to. He's trying to um, uh, he's trying to influence you is what he's trying to do. Well, he's trying to push his liberal agenda on you too. Yeah, and you know he's got ulterior motives behind what he does. Yeah, which is why he doesn't support money. the truth. You know, it makes money exactly. That's probably the the main goal of his. Well, he's going through a. Nasty divorce with his wife right now, which is actually kind of funny. Because um, she's trying to sue him. She's trying to take everything of his, I think. Uh, which good. You know, I heard something about a guy who was running a website about him. Do you remember that? And I forget yes. exactly what happened. You, you probably know more about it than I do. So, I think it was like Michael Moore hates America. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And didn't didn't he pay the guy to shut the site down or something like that? Something I'm not happened. sure. Um, Wait, oh fuck, I don't remember what it was. I think the guy's wife got cancer or something. Does that sound right? Ah, oh, fuck it. I I'm not remember. sure. I I haven't even looked at that in in a while. Uh, but something happened with that guy, and I don't know. But, you know, Michael Moore made a whole you know political thing with it. Made a whole big you know, to do about it. Well, see, that's what he'll do. He'll, he'll, he'll. Again, he'll, he'll get all these people who eat up everything he's got to say, 
and accepted his gospel and try to get them riled up against the enemy to make it political. It's not political. It's like you're a bullshitter, dude. You know, with uh, with all the, the gun control stuff that's come up in the past year or two, I'm surprised he hasn't tried to make a bowling for Columbine, too. It, it might be because he's embroiled in his uh, divorce. Yeah. You're probably right. Um, he's busy taking taking a, a dip in his vat of gold coins. Yeah. <laughs> Just like Scourge McDuck. <laughs> Except they're all uh, they're all chocolate coins, you know. He just eats his way out. Yeah, he can do it. Uh, no, nah, I, I don't disagree with you at all, man. I hate that dude. Oh, I do too. You know, I used to watch Ron here and me, and I guess it was a show he had on Bravo. I guess years ago when I was a teenager. Yeah, and I thought it was awesome. It was fascinating. But now that I know he's a he's a big fat liar, well, I mean, <laughs> all his stuff has truths in there. There are truths in there, but they're right. proved in such a way. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, that's a whole other thing. I can't stand that kind of crap. So right, it's just like with the inconvenient truth that Al Gore thing. You know, I think he stated by this year, 2014, that all the ice caps would be gone. The <laughs> all that shit's switching. We're losing ice on one end, and the other end is growing. Yeah. The Earth is just changing. It's just doing what it's been doing long before we even started recording any weather, which just happened like 150 years ago. 150 years ago is not shit. You know, the grand scheme of things, it's nothing. Right. So don't, pay, don't you know, when they sit there and say, this is the coldest winter we've had on record. Yeah. Oh, fuck, why? I mean, it's cold. Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> you know, when we've been keeping records for thousands of years, then, yeah, sure, I'll take a look at it. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, sure, a, you know, sure, Al Gore created global warming, but on a positive note, he did give us the Internet, so... I yeah, that's the thing we can say. Yeah, he did. You know, bit for tat. Uh, yeah, you got to kind of balance it out, which which is better. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, on, on that note, I did read something interesting. The ozone layer is actually approved by uh, 4%, I think. Really? So uh, it's it's actually getting a little better. It's because we stopped using so much hairspray. Yeah, exactly. That's a good thing. You know, I, I do believe in being environmentally conscious, but sure, sure. Jesus, I mean, I think I think some of these uh, again, there's an agenda there. No, it's it's like uh, I mean, take for example the you know the anti-immunization thing that's going on now. You know that you know Jenny McCarthy just just fell off the wagon on that one. Uh, because it was, you know, totally proved that her kid wasn't, you know, given autism by a, a, a vaccination. Yeah. So, totally, you know, uh, debunked her her theories. I mean, it's just it's stupid. You know, it's 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 not a smart thing to get behind. I mean, you're the people that are going to get us, you know, into some other, you know, uh, pandemic again. You know. Here's the thing about 
people like that that bothers me. We are incredibly fortunate to have the medicine that we have today. Dude, not even even a hundred years ago, we did not have this. Right. Yet these people are flipping the fuck out over and saying that the government is trying to poison us, kill us off, which is all horrible. <sighs> we live. I mean, this this is first world shit. Right. I mean, we are safer than we've ever been in our entire history. Right. And yet these people are have to make have to they just have to have something bad happen to them. Or, or expect something bad. It's the same kind of people, the religious nuts, who think that their generation is the last one, that the world is going to end. Why the hell do you have to keep saying that? Live your life and enjoy it. If it yeah. ends, it ends. You can't do anything yeah. about it. Exactly. Don't worry no, about I'm, it. No. Let it happen. Yeah. And it never happens. Each generation thinks, well, we're the last one. You know, the end of days. Yeah. No, the world is not worse than it ever was. We just know about everything. I can right. look on the internet and, and hear about crap that's happening in, you know, uh, uh, New Guinea, or you know, somewhere yeah. that 50 years ago I would never have been able to do that. Right. You know, but now we hear about it every day. So yeah, yeah, it is an overload for people to really see that all the time, and you you can kind of be forgiven of thinking, well, shit, you know, shit's in the fan, but it's not. It's just we're just hearing so much more about it. But the uh, the immunization thing that bothers me, I really hope these people don't gain any more ground than they have. People seem to have forgotten that in 1918, there was a pandemic of the Spanish flu right. that killed, I think it was 9 million people at the time. 9 million worldwide. You don't hear about that anymore. No. Um but, I mean, people sit there and flip out about, you know, Ebola and all that. And some huge epidemic occurring there. But it's it's it happened. It, it happened. And, I mean, that's fairly recent memory. Not It's almost 100 years ago. And, I mean, even today, we have a lot more people than in 1918. Not many is a lot right. of people to die from the flu. But, like, and, and there's uh, a reason why we don't have smallpox anymore in this country. We don't have tuberculosis. Polio. You know, polio, exactly. We don't have, you know, rubella, mumps. When the last time, you know, you knew somebody that had mumps, you know? Yeah, We all get vaccinated for that shit, Mike. I just think it's, you know, and then there's the whole argument that, you know, well, parents have the right to do what they want with their kids, but I think, I will find out, say this, I think it's shitty parenting to expose your children to this where you could protect them. From if you have I, the option to protect them, then whatever. Right. Uh, I just, I, I, I don't know, man. That's yeah. I, I agree about the, you know, that's that's a fine line between what they have the right to do and what they don't have the right to do because yeah. you're trying to protect yeah. the, the whole here. They, I mean, they could be the weak link that causes a problem, you know. Well, yeah, you're gonna have people who uh, are gonna have their own grounds for not doing that. You know, what is it, Christian scientists? I guess it's Christian yeah. scientists who yeah. who believe in, you know, if you have uh, AIDS, they'll just pray it away, which is horseshit. Well, oh, is, uh, that, is that similar to the people that, uh, you know, pray with the snakes and stuff? The uh, the venomous snakes, you know? Yeah, the, uh, oh, I, know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, one of the preachers died a few months ago. Yeah, the, I know. I was going to mention I, that. 
You know, I think it's funny. If you're going to sit there and do shit like it that, funny. Yeah. whatever. You know, that's that's dumb to me. That's natural selection. You know, um, I just... Funny, uh, I was going to say, the funniest thing about that is, like, they say he'd been bitten plenty of times before, and he would just go lay on the couch and pray about it, and he'd be fine. But this time, he uh, he died. Just one too many, I guess. I don't know, man. You think you'd build up a tolerance after a little while? Yeah, I think you do. I think that was shown on some show I watched of somebody who actually had been drinking small, small vials of poison, and uh, it actually did give him a huge tolerance to uh, a snake bite. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, the body gets used to it. It's like, okay, so the fuck why? But, yeah. uh... What else yeah, that whole thing... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> two snakes. They just get two yeah. snakes in there, bind the shit out of you. Get some <laughs> coral snakes and just chew. Chew on your face. Yeah. Um, um... Yeah, that whole faith thing, relying on faith for that, there's, there's a... I mean, I understand where faith comes in. That it helps a lot of people out. That's great, but then you have to do certain things for yourself. I mean, just think about the fact we have the medicine for a reason. You know, I just I I don't get that. Uh, Tempting, you know, they're just just, uh, tempting death too much. Like God will save me. Why is God going to save your stupid ass when you're when you're handing uh, playing with water moccasins? (laughs) <laughs> you know, if there's something, you know, more important over here, a kid's about to fall down a well. You know, let's save the kid. You can go fuck yourself. <laughs> but the Christian scientists, man, like, they won't even take, like, Tylenol or, you know, something like that. It's it, it ridiculous. And they also die of, like, weird shit all the time. Like, they die of, like, you know, uh, tetanus or something crazy like that. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, yeah, just random crap from, like, uh, a paper cut will kill them. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it, it's it's just, you have to take everything in moderation. <laughs> everything. So, uh... You'd be surprised, man. There's a lot of Christian scientists around here. I, I just don't... I, I don't get all that. Uh, if it's your own life you want to do that with, knock yourself out. When you start affecting other people's lives, like children, like the parents who have kids that get sick, they won't give them medicine, and their kid dies, and then the, uh, you know, of course, you know, the law comes in. As soon as, you know, tries to, you know, they try them for negligence. Good. You know, I I don't have any sympathy for them at all. They're sitting there crying because God didn't come down. And, and save their child. Well, go to the drugstore, get some Robitussin, <laughs> and give it to your child. You know, maybe that's all I needed. You know. Yeah, I agree. I just, yeah, I, I don't know. The, uh, medicine is not the devil's tool. You know, I, I, whoever says that is, it, it's foolish. But uh, whatever. Let me ask you this. Uh, you probably heard about the parents that named their their little girl Adolf Hitler, right? 
This was up uh, uh, a few years ago, up in uh, I don't know somewhere up north. Some neo Nazis named their their child, uh, you know, Adolf Hitler. Oh, I think I may have heard about. It. I wasn't aware it was a little girl, but I think I did hear yeah. about about that. And they were they were trying to somehow like prevent her from being named that. Like, how do you feel about that? Do you think that's that's okay? I I don't think the gov the government tried to come in and do that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, think they, the they made them change it. I think they were trying to they were trying to get it changed. I, but I think any parents who do that uh, have mental issues. And totally. They obviously don't love their child. Um, it, it reminds me of like you remember back on old episodes of uh, Jerry Springer or uh, you know, Mari Povich. They've had the Klan come on there. Oh. Midget Klansman? I remember that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was funny. And they would just sit there, and, I mean, they were the most backwoods, redneck, idiot people you'd ever heard in your life. Oh, you know? I know. Not even, you know, a lot of them not even from the South, but just just racist as all get out. <laughs> it's, if I looked outside my window, let's say if I was, I was dating a black girl, mm-hmm. and, and the Klan didn't like that, and I looked outside my window, there's a cross burning, a, a small cross, just like three feet tall, and midget clansmen all around it. Yeah. I would laugh. It would be the funniest thing in my life. I couldn't take that seriously. Why are they midgets? I don't know. That's God. You're just, you're just, you're just throwing a, throwing a uh, hypothetical out there? Well, I just remember when the midget clan was on Jerry Springer. They were trying. Oh, oh, really? Okay, I got you now. Yeah, yeah that, that's why I'm bringing that up. I mean, regular clansmen will be funny too. I have no respect for that. Um, so they they burn little crosses. Yeah, yeah, they just do. <laughs> what? Get a map off, I guess. Except my height. But I hate <laughs> just just nailing uh, two uh, two by fours together and just set them on fire. They really went oh. all out with shit. Uh, I do think of that. that though. When Jerry Springer had all that crap, that was fun. I can go ahead and, and segue into something else I've been watching. Uh, this is a uh, full disclosure for you guys. We have an episode planned where we're going to be talking about. Roseanne season nine and how crazy it is. Uh, I'm about halfway through. I'm, I don't know, about seven or eight episodes in. And there's one episode in there where they go on Jerry Springer. Oh, oh Jesus. It's fucking, it, that's actually pretty funny. As bad as that shit is, that's actually pretty funny. So, okay. I mean, let this me is my idea. I'll, I'll take the, the blame for how awful it's going to be. <laughs> Well, I've got it. I, I'll put it out here around me to uh, to watch it to get caught up on that. And yeah, I, you know, I bought the whole Mill Creek set, and uh, I'll still stick by the first two seasons of that show being one of the best sitcoms I've ever seen. I love it. Um, at the time period, you know, that's right when you and I were growing up. Yeah. So uh, it's great. It really is. 
just just a cool, uh, I guess, viewpoint back to the late 80s. But, yeah. Man, I couldn't even get through season eight just because I knew what was coming with season nine. Well, we um, can we can talk about that when the time comes, but yeah, yeah, I'll save it. I'll take all the blame for all the hate on that one. It's not like I'm not a huge Roseanne fan or anything. I I read an article that uh, was talking about maybe some of the uh, you know the explanations for why season nine was so crazy because she basically. Knew she wasn't getting renewed, and just did some crazy shit she can imagine, like in the in the show, which is really fucking bizarre a lot of the time. Yeah, um, but yeah, I'm not a big fan of hers either. But I, I fucking hate her. But I think a lot of people in that show are what made it so good, other than her. I mean, oh man, I mean John Goodman. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, Lori uh, Metcalf, uh, she was great. Yeah, she uh, was hilarious, man. I was cracking up at her tonight watching that show. Yeah, she's real good. Um, but I, I love seeing a totally cracked out Tom Arnold showing up for a few seasons there. <laughs> you can <laughs> tell he's on upper or something or cocaine. Oh, he's yeah. bouncing off the walls. He's got that mullet thing going. Uh, yeah. Have you seen the part in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 5 or 6, whichever one it is? It's, uh, I think it's Freddy's Dead, which, uh, that has them in it. Has Roseanne and Tom Arnold in there? I have not seen any Friday the 13th in years. So no, I'm sorry, I say Friday the 13th. I meant Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm sorry. Well, no, you may have... You may, I, I don't know. I haven't seen either one, man. So... But uh, I, I knew they were kind of making their rounds for a while there. Oh man, it's fucking ridiculous! And I was watching with some of the commentary on, <laughs> and man, they were like, like they they kept them like longer than they were supposed to, and they just threw a fucking fit. Like they were all raging on whatever drugs they were on in the dressing room, and they were just flipping their shit on the set of that movie. Oh. <laughs> uh. That's uh, that's good stuff. But uh, anyway, uh, if we can move on to a little bit of news here, I just got one little bit of news I was going to mention. Uh, Dumb and Dumber Two is going to be starting, uh, I guess, tomorrow now, on Friday. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you told me that the other day. Yeah. You, you have you bought your tickets yet? Oh man, yeah, I bought them the day they even announced it. Uh, I cannot wait to go see this. No, I'm, I'm not in any hurry to see this movie. A funny story I came across looking at this is, uh, I forget which one of the Farrelly brothers was talking about this. Uh, Peter Farrelly wrote, uh, the way this whole thing came about, the sequel to the movie, this was about five years ago. Jim Carrey was in a hotel room and he watched the original movie on television and he immediately realized he wanted to do another another movie. When it ended, he dove into it. So, like, the way it all started, Jim Carrey called up Peter Farrelly and said, I want to make another movie. Well, why did it take him that long? 
I'm sure he was sniffing some vapors himself, and uh, I don't know, man. Jim Carrey is a fucking, he's got a couple screw looses himself. Yeah, I haven't. I don't know the last movie I saw of his. Well, you know how he flipped out during the whole uh, kick ass Yeah. Yeah, oh, I know. Which, I, if that was me, I would have tried to sue him for some of that money back if, if I was from from that studio. What? Oh, for, for what was it, Kick Ass 2? Yeah, because he refused to promote oh, the yeah. movie. Yeah, I thought that, that was in the contract. It was it it is. in the contract. It's in the yeah. contract. I don't think they ever, you know, did anything with it, but. Oh. Um. Oh. Whatever. Just stick to making funny faces and talking out of your butthole, buddy. Leave the politics to people that know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, that brought to mind him crawling out of that, that, that rhinoceros in uh, Ace Ventura 2. Yeah. That kid, yeah. I just... So we saw that movie yeah. for your birthday that year. That was, was you, uh, you, it was, it was a few of us, it was four or five of us who we went to the theater and saw that for your birthday. That was 95. It's almost my 15th birthday, which has been 19 years. Wow. God damn, man. You're old as fuck, dude. Yeah, yeah, I know, man. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, try to sign up for some uh, assisted living. I might as well. Whatever works, man. (laughs) Yeah, I... Yeah, it's, it's uh, like uh, on Monday, I sat back and watched um, uh, Super Scary Saturday. Uh-huh. Uh, it's an episode, uh, the only one I have on DVD, it's for Godzilla King of the Monsters. Man, I love it. I still love it as much as I did back in 87, 88 when it was on. And yeah. It really takes me back. A few things do that, you know, but it really... And, and whoever recorded this kept the commercials, and they were recording at the exact same time I was recording the VHS because it's the same damn commercials. Really? That's awesome. Uh, uh, I remember those commercials because it wasn't like a rerun. It's, this was, I mean, this this was it. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I love that. I love watching the, the movie. I love seeing Grandpa. But the commercials, all of that together brought me back, you know. I'm watching uh, that Matt LeBlanc uh, Cherry 7-Up commercial. <laughs> uh, the the milk commercial, you know, where the dude would sit there next to a model and, and talk to him and shit, and then they gradually grow into some sort of hunk, some yeah. gorgeous dude, I guess, or whatever you, you drink. I don't... I, have, oh, I drink yeah. a glass of milk. My, uh, my bowels get in an uproar. You know, I don't feel that some sort of gorgeous dude, you know. It doesn't work for me. <laughs> That's me. If I was doing that as a kid with the hot shit there, I would be holding my ass after one one sip of milk. And just fall over like in the you know, heel position. 
He said, would you, would you still like me if I splattered diarrhea everywhere? <laughs> and I just do it anyway. Uh, yeah, because he's, he's like, like a, a dude, right? And then he, he, he shrinks down to a young boy at the end. Well, no, he's, he's a young boy, and he's growing into a big oh, dude, okay. and then he goes back into a little boy. But, yeah, I mean, I would be dying of dysentery <laughs> just from even bringing an extra glass of milk. <laughs> uh, and uh, she would be, not be paying any attention to me. <laughs> that's how my thing. See, that's one, one thing I did like from uh, Family Guy was when they did that. As Peter, well, I grew up to be a fat bastard. Yeah. You know, he just that, that was funny. But uh, oh, I guess all one. Wow, that's funny. Uh the other commercials they had a Dom Delwee's uh Zidwalk commercial, which is yeah. awesome. I always love seeing him. Um, that red and green make yellow. Yeah. Yeah, well this is the one where he uh not, not red which, and green. It was uh, a blue and green make uh, yellow. He was going down to his, uh, he looked in the fridge, and, and, and all his stuff was in Ziploc bags, and he was waiting. So I, 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 you know, I can't wait for tomorrow to get here. He can't get here fast enough. And suddenly it's midnight. He's like, oh, tomorrow's here. And so he puts, a, you know, a bib on and yeah. eats everything. Um, it's, uh, that was fun to see. Something called cigarette. For, you know, they had all these uh, middle-aged people talking about how um, cigarettes helped them stop smoking. Uh, oh. And you could, you know, mail in or, you know, the P.O. box thing uh, and wait for about five months for something to come in the way it uh-huh. used to be. Or cash on demand, that COD shit. Just all that. Oh, that stuff that we grew up with. Yeah. Um. um but yeah, I was just uh, what was it? Something about uh, the, what they call the kangaroo pouches for the Mead brand uh, folders. You know, we yep. used that for school. And headline news. And headline news before it was a channel. You know, it would have really? like a thirty seconds uh, or minute long thing about uh, worldwide news going on on CNN. Uh, well, I mean, it wasn't even called CNN, I don't think. It's oh, it was before then, okay. uh, It was just headline news on, uh, USA. So, yeah, I mean, it was Turner, so. Uh, yeah, it was, it was good stuff watching that, man. I really do need to find my VHS tapes and the others, because I've got numerous other episodes. Yeah, I'm going to go um, look and see if I can find any of my old stuff, too. Man, you know, I'll probably do that when uh, when I'm done with this semester. This December, I'll go look at my uh, dad's storage for that. See if I can find all those. All right, I hope roaches haven't just defecated all over everything. <laughs> oh, man. Do you remember uh, Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue? Man, I can't forget that one. I had it on on a VHS tape. I remember. I, I recorded I it. Yeah. See, my dad did the same for for me and my brother. Oh, I remember it. The whole thing is on YouTube. If you forgot. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's uh, 
I, I enjoyed like, that cigarette smoke cloud thing, that evil puff. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. This it, it, has all the, the popular uh, cartoons that were on at the time, talking about saying no to drugs. Yeah. Like Gar- Garfield was behind Odie, like Odie be shooting up in the bathroom or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, wasn't it the whole Odie? Uh, yeah, they, that's what they, they. God, that's a stupid fucking joke. OD. <laughs> they just have him doing that. He dies in there. OD, ODs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was really dumb. Uh, uh, God damn it. <laughs> you got okay, Al in that. there, the, uh, Slimer, the Chippendale. Uh, I remember Slimer. Yeah. Alvin and the Chipmunks, the, the DuckTale Twins, the Ninja Turtles, Pooh Bear. From Winnie the Pooh, the Muppet Babies, Smurfs. That was awesome, man. It was like the very the the token, uh, you know, after school special type deal. Oh, I know. It was a big thing too, man. Uh, they promoted the hell out of that. That's probably why I recorded it because they promoted it so much. It was like, hey, Johnny. Here's a here's a marijuana cigarette, Johnny. Smoke this. Yeah, and Odie's still shooting up in the background. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Odie's just riding the horse. He's riding the H horse as hard as he can in the back. He's just like jizzing and crying. Um. No, it's like, and crying. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> he just okay, okay. Not only does he lose control of all his bodily functions, which usually doesn't include ejaculation, but he ejaculates too. Of course it does. He's having a good time. Uh, okay, he's, well, he's got his red rocket out. Ah, uh, yeah. Pookie's uh, in that, there. That's exactly how I remember it. Yeah, yeah, he's just in a screw of Pookie. <laughs> that, that's what happens. Garfield catches him doing that. Pookie's just got a hole torn in his ass. <laughs> uh, prolapsed uh, stuff ain't coming out. There it is. That's the word of the day, kids. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> John's a <No>. supplier. <laughs> It was just, uh, it was just so fun the way it was laid out. Like I need to watch it again because I remember being stupid, like when I was ten years old. But I'd love to watch it now. Just so, like, like I mean, a drug dealer is not going to give you a bag of drugs, you know. Like I don't care who you are, you know. Well, I think Nancy Reagan was one of the big pushers of that. Uh, I know she sure. was, and that was part of her sure. concept of drugs, you know, where. Drug dealers were just going through schools and giving out bags of yeah. meth, yeah. you know. Which I'd probably heard. Uh, if that the, happened, I was out that day. It was probably her and Tipper Gore. Tipper I know Gore. Tipper Gore was a big old cunt around that period of time. Uh, that's, that's a good term there, big old cunt. Well, they were like crushing like uh, Naughty by Nature uh, records and shit. Oh, I know. He was and, uh, uh, copies of Sal at Night, Deadly Night. 
Oh, dude, yeah. <sighs> oh, man. Um, but, uh, well, one more piece of news about uh, Dumb and Dumber 2. We'll go back to that. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence actually had a cameo in there that she insisted they cut out, so I'd love to see what that was. What's it? It was it was loads, just loads. And just loads. Everyone. I was just thinking that constant loads. Melissa <sighs> <sighs> yeah, McCarthy just in there. She's doing that milk commercial, just shedding everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, she's doing the ass she's blaster. Trying to, she's trying to do her whole monologue before she passes out from shitting so hard. Uh, yeah, she goes up to a dude, and she's like, your beard smells like sandwiches. It just <laughs> promptly shits. Empties her whole contents out. <laughs> you want to go in that restroom and not rest? <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, man. Um, but I guess we can get on to a topic here eventually if you want to. <laughs> That's fine, man. I really don't know much uh, much news right off the top of my head. Um, um, well, That's about all, man. I mean, there's some shit going on with Avengers and some of the other Marvel movies and stuff, but... Well, I guess uh, the, with Black Friday coming up, have you have you looked at any of the uh, ads for that? Yeah, I've looked at a few. See anything that catches your eye? Yes, um, Hannibal season two for ten bucks. Um, oh, that's awesome! Is that a Blu-ray? And it's DVD, but I don't have a problem with that. Uh, that's still just fine. Um, <clears throat> trying to think of. Uh, uh, the Walking Dead, I may actually start picking those up because the Blu-rays of those will be $10. I think oh, that's season one through four. Yeah. Um, you, know, I don't, you know, I don't really have Netflix. I also would like to see any of the special features on there. Yeah, uh, hell yeah. So, uh, uh, the Lego movie on Blu-ray, I don't know if you have that for your, your kids yet. That's going to be $4. Yeah, I've already got it, unfortunately. Um, our Edge of Tomorrow will be $6. Yeah, I paid full uh, price for that one, too. Uh, Godzilla, for anybody who's interested, will be $7. Wow. Um, yeah, it's pretty recent stuff coming out for for uh, cheap. But uh, the Indiana Jones movies, individually, will be $4 each at Walmart on Blu-ray. Oh, wow. So I'm going to be getting the first three because I have no interest in Crystal Skulls. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, this way I can avoid that altogether. I've been trying to see if Back to the Future will be on sale uh, on Blu-ray, but uh, I've only found the DVD for like 13 bucks. Uh, there may be something, you know, there may be something up on on Black Friday that that uh, isn't in the ad. You never know, but. Uh, a lot of TV shows for ten dollars. Um, I'm going to keep an eye on HBO stuff because that's 
last Black Friday, I picked up the first three seasons of Boardwalk Empire for $10 each. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Um, I'm going to keep an eye on the first season of uh, Game of Thrones. But, um, yeah, the big thing for me, though, is uh, that Borderlands pre-sequel. Yeah. I told you the other day, Target was going to have it for 35 I think it was Target or Best Buy, but Walmart's going to have it for 25 Oh, wow. Uh, and that's been out for, like, just now a month, I guess. So, uh, oh, yeah. I'll be picking that up. Oh, yeah, man. Tons of Blu-ray, looks like. I'm looking at Targets now. Oh, there's a lot of stuff. And there's stuff not even in the ad. Still have out on her. Got pretty good sales on TV. I just don't know about the uh, brands. Yeah. I can forty inch element for a hundred and eighteen dollars. Damn dude, shit, you can't beat that. Even if it fucking uh, broke, it wouldn't matter that much. Well there's uh I really considered picking it up because one of the speakers is blowing on mine. I've got a Toshiba, which is really good, but uh there's a fifty inch uh, but I see Walmart's gonna have a 50 inch, so it may be a doorbuster though, for like 220. Um, but it said uh, brands will vary by store, which is not really both well. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Blu-ray players uh, for 50 dollars, well 30 dollars. I think it's like an LG for 30 bucks at Walmart. Or <clears throat> considering my. Uh, PS3 seems to have died finally. I might oh, do that. I've, I've got to figure it out, man. Uh, uh, just a red light on now. I took out the hard drive and, you know, trying to get all the dust off of it, but it's not, it's, it's not even doing anything. It's got a disc stuck in there. I can't get it out. Oh, shit. I hate that because, I mean, that's been the best Blu-ray player I've ever had. I know, that's what I said, too. It was it was a shame. I, I sold mine, uh, my used one, mm-hmm. for like 150 bucks. I couldn't turn it down. And uh, that's how I was able to buy the new Xbox was with that money. Oh, okay. But I, uh, I've i got plenty of Blu-ray players, so... I mean, that, that, that yeah. was the best one. That was the best streaming device I've ever used, too. Until I oh, got the definitely. Roku. Yeah. The Roku works That's really good. If you ever get one, they're awesome. Well, what I loved about it, man, like I keep all my movies on uh, external hard drives. And oh, I yeah. hook those up to that PS3 and watch those movies yeah. on my TV, which was awesome. Um, and it, it got kind of annoying because you had to format it a certain way, but... Once you did that, you were good to go. Like I had all those uh, the first five and well, first five seasons of uh, Mystery Science Theater all on a uh, hard drive. So that's how I watched it for the longest time. Does your TV not have a USB port on it? You know, now I'm going to feel like an idiot because I know I'm going to get up and look at it now. It's going to be a, a USB port back there. Most, most newer TVs do. 
Yeah. And you may just be able to jack it directly in there. Uh, I guarantee you it does. <laughs> but it may not work. I don't know. Like, I've had some that have worked and some that haven't. Shit, yeah, my TV puts on a lot of heat. I've got to get a flashlight. I'll look at this while we keep talking here. I just, uh, I have to, uh, shit, I'm going to have to figure that out. If that works, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it'll work for you. Some of them have that just so you can, like, do the firmware upgrade or firmware update. Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. Let's see. And let's see, what is that? Oh, that's HDMI. <laughs> I guess we can uh, mm. get into some soundtracks whenever you're ready. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready, dude. Uh, do you want me to? Do you want me to sing the the Jurassic Park again? The entire thing. I want you to sing the whole damn thing. <laughs> no, I'm not doing uh-huh. it. <laughs> um. Uh. Let's see. Yeah, I guess we can uh, we can start with that one if you want to, since we already brought it up. Yeah, um, I guess I stated earlier, that's the first one I ever bought on CD. Oh, was it? Um, and, uh, yeah, I listen to it all the time, especially track seven, which is the song at the very end when uh, they're in the helicopter, and, you know, Hammond is looking at the amber on his cane. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's just beautiful music because that, that's when he realized his dream was dead. Right, you know, he had wasted his life and all that on that, and it just it just didn't work out. Uh, yeah, I love, I love that music. That. I love that part of the movie too. I do too. You know, it's uh, it's just you know kind of sad. You know, it's bittersweet, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, it's it's a freaking great soundtrack, and John Williams is usually like that. Even though I, for a while there, I always thought he his stuff sounded roughly the same. Star Wars, Superman. Yeah, I thought he he was kind of just had his own little kind of thing going until I started learning more about him and how how far back his career went because the Lost in Space theme is his. Wow. Uh, uh, so he's he's been around doing that stuff for a while, and he's always had that ability to do a good variety. Um, but uh, yeah. you're you're really the one who, who made me start to appreciate the scoring on a movie a lot more. I mean, even now, I don't pay as much attention as I probably should to to the actual score. But uh, yeah, I remember you. You know, you would always talk about you know, especially Jurassic Park, and we're talking. You know, we're like 12, 13 years old. You're talking about the score to this movie. Um, and I remember when you, you were driving around in your car, you'd be you'd have that son of a bitch turned all the way up. Jamming oh, I know. That, uh, I'd be loud as hell. Dress car. <laughs> that was yeah, well, I know. I'm driving that shit-ass blue Pontiac. <laughs> the Jurassic Park score blaring. 
And you know, I was told, you know, don't don't turn it up too loud, you'll ruin your hearing. I was like, what the fuck is gonna happen? <laughs> my hearing that hadn't already happened. And my hearing is no worse now than it was then. That's why it turned up so loud. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 maybe it'll make my ears work better if I shock them enough. I guess. But yeah, I mean, the bass will be just booming. I can feel it in my car. You know, you can hear it outside my car. I didn't care. And it's just like those assholes who drive around, you know, with shit-ass rap music that they sure. think everybody needs to listen to, but nobody gives a fuck about. You know, I'm, I'm going through, you know, going down school with the fucking, yeah, you know, the Jurassic Park thing just blasting. And pussy is just falling out of the sky for me. You know? Right, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> You, you have yeah, to fight it I, off of the stick. Yeah, dude, that that was uh, that uh, that protected my virginity for a long time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, that that is one that had a huge impact on me and helped me really um, uh, understand and start to love the world of of film music. Because the music is taken for granted way too much. Yeah. And, uh, the music, to me, can make or break a movie. Uh, All right. But, you know, John Williams is, of course, you know, he's he's a veteran at it. He's been doing it. For, I mean, he's still doing it. He's like 80 years old. So, uh, well, he knew what he was doing 20 years ago. But, for sure. Yeah, his... It's other scores. I'm trying to think of. Uh, yeah, this Star Wars, which does have a great score. Um, the Superman theme. Oh yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I don't know why I'm having trouble right now because it's. I mean, it's not like he wasn't, you know, pretty prevalent in our childhood. Um, yeah, Indiana Jones. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, what else, man? You want me to sing a few bars of that one? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Just sing a few bars of everything. <laughs> uh, uh, there's Jaws, the Jaws theme. Oh, shit, yeah. Forgot he did Jaws. Yeah, that's, that's, and, you know, that one's actually kind of low-key, but it's, it's yeah. awesome, man. It's really, the Amity theme, it's great. Jaws' theme is great. Yeah. Um. You know, he that's that's probably one of the most recognizable scores ever. The one to Jaws. Definitely. Definitely, man. And see that's the thing, most of the most recognizable themes are his. Yeah. Um you know, he's not the only one though. You have Alan Silvestri who uh, you know, he did uh, Back in the Future. Oh um, yeah. Forrest Gump. He did uh Flight of the Navigator, which is a badass soundtrack. Um, oh man, had to check that out. Predator. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, I mean he's he's done a lot of good stuff too. He was right there with John Williams for us in our childhood. Yeah. In the eighties and nineties, uh, early nineties. Um. But uh, yeah, I've got his. There is no soundtrack out there 
official soundtrack that I know of for Predator, which is really odd, um, I had to go and get the soundtrack for Predator 2 just to get that theme. And the, that is uh, odd. The Predator, well, what's interesting about the Predator 2 soundtrack is it's more jungle-like, despite the yeah. fact that it's not in the jungle, <laughs> yeah. uh, than the first one. Um, but it's a great soundtrack. It really is. It incorporates a lot of really cool jungle themes in with that Predator soundtrack, which works. Um, it, it, it's a really good listening experience. And that's a great soundtrack to me. It's something you can sit there and just listen to by itself. And it's just a great experience all by itself. Um, I guess just a little background as to why soundtracks are so big for me, as opposed to a lot of the more popular music that a lot of people my age uh, liked at the time. These are because of my hearing. Um, when you've got Billy Idol, you know, the music's blaring and he's singing, it's hard for me to understand what he's saying. Yeah. Uh, it's with everybody else. You aren't missing much with Billy Idol. Oh, dude, I love Billy Idol. <laughs> I've actually started listening to his now, his stuff now. Oh, really? Uh, You're being serious? Yeah, I'm, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm dead, like, like Sweet Sixteen and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Dancing with Myself is one of my favorites. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of the more popular musicians of the time, I, I didn't, like even Careless Whispers, I didn't know a word of the damn thing, but I knew that sax solo by heart. Right. Um, and, and that's just kind of how I grew up, just with, with uh, music like that. That's what really, I could follow that better than, you know, any, any singing. So it hasn't been until the last few years that I really uh, started listening to, you know, stuff that was popular when I was a kid and really tried to understand it. But, yeah, it's just the background of why soundtracks are big for me. That's that's my music right there. Um, But, uh, you know, uh, there's, uh, there's Danny Elfman. Oh, yeah. Um, now, Elfman, in the 80s, in the late 80s, and early 90s, for me, was pretty much unbeatable. Uh, he's changed so much, and he, he's, he's nothing like he was. I don't even listen to his stuff anymore, because it's, it's just... It's almost like he, he decided to grow up, I guess, and just throw away all his defining... You know, he... His music was always odd, but it was yeah. great music. Like Beetlejuice, Batman, uh, the Pee Wee movies, um, uh, this Mars Attacks, Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. Uh, you know, he had a, a really defining sound. Uh, <clears throat> did, did he do the Tales from the Crypt uh, soundtrack or uh, theme as well? He, yes, he did. He did. Okay. I thought that sounded like something he might do. That's he did that. Great. He did... Um, the Simpsons theme. Really? Okay. Well, that's some very recognizable stuff there as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and it's great music. He yeah. just, uh, man, the last soundtrack of his uh, liked at all was Sleepy Hollow. Cause, and it was just a theme. I think the theme is great, but the rest of the music is just kind of there. 
Um, Dude, I don't even know what he's done lately. I mean, I couldn't tell you anything he's done in the past 10 years. Uh, he's still out there. You know, he, he's, uh, he did that movie, A Civil Action. You know, he, he does other stuff. But, uh, it's, you know, I, like, I could pop in the Batman Returns soundtrack, listen to that thing from beginning to end, and love every bit of it. Uh, but today, I just can't do that. I find myself skipping through pretty much everything. You know, I, I hated buying the Sleepy Hollow soundtrack for what was basically two songs I liked, which was the opening theme and the ending theme. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's happened with him. I really hate it. Uh, Dude, how awesome would it be to every time there's an episode of The Simpsons get paid? <laughs> That's something you get paid for every episode. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, he's not complaining about the fact that it's been on for like, oh God, 25 years now. Yeah, 25 years, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he did the uh, theme for uh, Army of Darkness as well. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, he's... he's he did some great stuff, man. Um, but hey, I, I, I just stick with his older stuff. Um, who else? Shit. I mean, are there any that come to mind for you? Yeah, well, I just wanted to say that, you know, we kind of had uh, different musical tastes. I've uh, I was always into more of the uh, you know contemporary type uh, type soundtracks myself, just because you know I like the music that that was on there versus a, a scoring. You know, yeah, you know, there are there are quite a few scores that I like, not necessarily the whole soundtrack though. You know, like I, I really like the RoboCop score. I like the uh, Terminator score, Terminator Two score. Oh man, yeah, yeah. Uh, Terminator, uh, Brad Fidel, or Fidel, I can't remember how you say his last name. He also did uh, Fright Night. Okay, yeah, yeah, I know you're talking about now. You know what else is a good uh, score, a good a good score is Fletch. What? You familiar with, with that guy? <laughs> what, the, the Chevy Chase stuff? Yeah. I, man, I haven't seen that in so long. I'm trying to find the guy's name. He's got a crazy-ass name. He's done a bunch of crazy shit. He may have been the same one that did, uh, uh, like, uh, Beverly Hills Cop and stuff like that. The score to it. It was all uh, Harold Faltermeyer. Faltermeyer. Okay, that name is very familiar. He's done tons of stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, he did Beverly Hills Cop, uh, Terminator, I mean, uh, The Running Man, Top Gun. Oh, shit. Okay, well, you mentioned Running Man. I'm going to put that in. I've been trying to figure out what to put in my uh, player here. But that that uh, flex score is awesome. I have to listen to that, then. Uh, it's, it's very 80s now. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I love that stuff. Yeah, that's, that's totally fine. But, uh, you know, when you talk about doing this show, the stuff that came to mind was really stuff that was big to me when I was younger, when I was really into music. Like, there was a good 
10 years where music was my life, you know, music. And then, you know, right next to that was movies. And, uh, first one I'm going to start with is a uh, judgment night from uh, 1993 with, uh, what you call it? The judgment night. <clears throat> okay. Okay. It had Emilio Estevez in it. I don't think I've seen that one. The, uh, uh, the movie's not that great, first of all, but the uh, the soundtrack is really good because it it uh, it kind of combines uh, rap music and uh, rock music. It takes mm-hmm. one you know rap group and a, and a rock group and combines them together, and they make a song, which seemed to be kind of a you know running trend there for a few that I've got here, but. Uh, Lots of uh, really great bands on there that, that were together. Uh, Helmet and House of Pain, they were on the, uh, the first track on there. Uh, Living Color, Run DMC, Slayer and Ice-T did a track together on there. Wow. Pearl Jam and Cypress Hill. But, uh, that's that's pretty interesting. Songs on there. Yeah, it is. It's, it's really crazy. And uh, that's probably why I like it so much. This is... Uh, one I remember listening to quite a bit in my in my bedroom with with headphones with headphones on, so I didn't wake anybody up. Huh. And then another one I had, uh, you know, we did that uh, commentary on Spawn, and the thing I never uh, mentioned on there was the music because we had it muted the whole time. I couldn't, you know, I didn't hear it in the music, but that's kind of the same way except it did. Uh, it did like a, a rock group and a, and a techno group, and they kind of matched that up together. And there was a lot of kind of cool stuff that came out of that. I was a big fan of that album. That came out in '97. Uh, I was actually called yeah. Spawn the album. It wasn't called. I remember that band. Yeah, it was. It was pretty popular. They uh, they would actually do that. Uh, for a lot of movies, yeah, the soundtrack, which was the uh, like the orchestral score, and then yeah. the album, which was you know the more uh, contemporary uh, music being played. Because uh, they did that with uh, the '98 Godzilla as well. Oh, okay. Did they call it the Godzilla album? Yeah, I think so. Godzilla the album and that okay. that fucking Puff Daddy thing in there. Oh God, damn it! It was Puff Daddy doing a damn uh, Led Zeppelin track. I remember that. Come with me. Yeah, that was it. I remember the video and everything. It was awful. Oh, I remember it too, man, because they played the hell out of... They had that and they had a... Shit, I guess it was some Wallflowers or something. They had a music video. Wallflowers, too. Uh, You know, the Wallflowers, the lead singer of that is uh, Bruce Springsteen's son, I think. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, but, uh, no, the Spawn soundtrack was really good because it, it had, uh, I'm going to read you some of the gems off of there. It had uh, Marilyn Manson and the Snicker Pimps did a track together, uh, Orbital and Kirk Hammett from uh, Metallica. Mm-hmm. The Butthole Surfers and Moby. Uh, yeah, just trying to pick some of the better ones off of here. Uh, Henry Rollins and Goldie 
Slayer and Atari Teenage Riot. So tons of tons of great shit on that one. Very, you know, very dated, very, very dated music. Yeah. Stuff I can yeah. barely even listen to now, but I, I really liked at the time. <clears throat> oh, shit, there was some dude named Jamiroquai around then, too, wasn't there? Yeah. I put that big fucking hat of his. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like I'm saying. Like I was into that kind of music. I don't think you ever were really into that kind of music. Like no, no. I was, I was big into metal and you know rap and stuff too. <clears throat> and I still am to a degree, but I, I rarely listen to music anymore at all. It's usually just like podcasts and talk radio and stuff for me. I'm I'm officially old. <laughs> I'm I'm uh, not hip at all. Oh, being hip is pretty overrated. God, I'm sorry, man. I uh, I spoke incorrectly. That's uh, that's Bob Dylan's son is the lead singer of the uh, the Wallflowers. Oh, okay. I I knew it was somebody big like that. I'm fact checking myself uh, as I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> but uh, were there any other? Memorable soundtracks you can remember? Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, you look into uh, John Carpenter's stuff. Oh, um, shit, yeah. We can't not mention John Carpenter. Dude, his, his theme for uh, Escape from New York is badass. Um, that and uh, Halloween, of course. Um, shit, he did more in... Uh, <clears throat> What else he did, man? Oh, Big Trouble in Little China, damn. Oh, God, yeah, that cocaine fuel. music video, yeah. That music video that's on the Blu-ray is badass, though. Um, <clears throat> yeah, for, for a director to be... Huh? Oh, sorry, you go ahead. No, I was just saying, for a director to, you know, take charge and do his own music that happens to be really good is uh, pretty pretty unique, I think. Oh, man, it's almost unheard of. Uh, he, uh, he was... I mean, his stuff is memorable. <clears throat> you know, I forget uh, on, on Halloween how it's how it's credited. It's like the something orchestra or some shit on there, but, <laughs> you know, it's, it's basically him and a keyboard. Yeah, yeah, but I know. I think he actually did it to, to save money and time on it. Oh, I mean, it worked out, man. Um, yeah. Probably got him two paychecks a movie. Well, there's one movie of his, though, that he didn't even score. But it somewhat sounds like something he would have done. The Thing? Yeah. He didn't score The Thing, I don't think. No, that's what I'm saying. He didn't He didn't do it, but it still kind of sounds as that uh, Carpenter's sound. It. Yeah, um, it kind of makes you wonder why he didn't do it, but he may have just been too busy. Who knows? Maybe so, man. I, I'm not sure. Uh, <coughs> I really don't, so don't that blame was, him. That was uh, Ennio Marconi who did the thing. Uh, which, for him, that comes up to be 
my personal favorite composer, film composer out there. Um, he has done so many fantastic scores, and he's done such a variety as well that uh, I consider him one of the best, if not the best. Uh, and, uh, you know, stuff hey, I love his son. What? Hey, can you, can you hold on for just a second? Can you keep talking? Keep talking? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll be back real quick. Thanks. Yeah, go ahead. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, uh, the thing soundtrack is great, but it's, um, scores for, um, the Clint Eastwood Spaghetti Westerns was, uh, of course, the good, the bad, and the ugly is uh, pretty iconic and used everywhere. But uh, he did other things besides just spaghetti westerns, which are pretty much some of his best uh, scores. Um, like The Mission, he did that. And he did a... Uh... Crap, what else did he do? Oh, man. I know he did a... Uh... I know, uh, what's his face? Um, Quentin Cantino uses a lot of his soundtracks. But, uh, yeah, if anybody ever gets a chance, just uh, try to find a collection of Volcani scores. You will not regret it. And it changes each year. He's he's, he's very uh, ballsy and decided to, you know, incorporate the, the sounds and the instruments that are popular at that time into his uh, stuff. And and usually it, he succeeded. But um, trying to think of uh, another personal favorite of mine would be Akira Epikubi, who did a lot of the uh, Godzilla soundtracks. Uh, he created Godzilla's Roar and the theme um, and he scored a lot of the original series music and most of the second series music in the uh, 90s. But uh, he also did a lot of the other uh, Toho movies like uh, Never Dan, Battle in Outer Space, and anything like that. Uh, the problem with him is he got a bit repetitive at times. Especially when he came back and did the '90s stuff. And it's beautiful music, but it's it's most of it is stuff you've heard before. Um, damn, I'm trying to think of what else. There's, there's a bunch of other soundtracks that I personally love. I can't even remember the uh, composers, and I doubt many people even know of. Um, would probably be like. Um, a uh, movie called, well, I'll say that one. Um, hell. Oh, like uh, Tangerine Dream, doing Legend. I love their music for that. They also did uh, A Keep. They did a bunch of stuff, too, in the 80s. But, uh, I think of what else here. As um, I guess somebody who's really popular now will be Hans Zimmer. But 
On Zimmer for me is either really good or really I'm mediocre. Sorry. Okay. Sorry about that. I'm back. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm just... You didn't miss much. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the uh, other soundtracks, I guess more obscure soundtracks, would be uh, like uh, one called Legend of the Dinosaurs and Monster Birds which is a late 70s Japanese movie, which is strange. But uh, it's just giant dinosaurs and shit. But the music is all jazz, which is oh, weird as wow. hell. I love the soundtrack. I love stuff like that that's just different and weird. Uh, like the House soundtrack, that Japanese movie. Yeah. Uh soundtrack is weird as hell, but I, I can listen to it all day. That's kind of jazzy uh, too, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's that was just big in Japan at the time, I guess. But uh, The Legend of the Dinosaurs has, uh, in one part of it, they have a Japanese country band playing, playing country music in Japanese. I still can't get used to it, man. It's weird. <laughs> um, but... Uh, Damn, there's a lot of... Oh, oh uh, one good one is uh, Ravenous. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's a mixture of two different styles. That's uh, Michael uh, Nyman, I guess it is, and Damon Alburn. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, Damon Alburn did, like, uh, Dude, Where's My Car? and shit like that. <laughs> and uh, Michael Nyman did stuff like the piano and, uh, you know, more respectable pair, I guess. And uh, they get together and make what is an excellent soundtrack. Again, that's one where I can put in... I can just pop it in and listen to everything. And, uh... Yeah, that one's that's a great listening experience. That sounds um, really bizarre. Yeah, it does. And I know I've stated before, I actually hated the music the first time I heard it. But the second time I heard it, I loved it. Go figure. Oh, you hated the music, too? The music is why I hated the movie the first time I watched it. <laughs> oh, what the fuck is this shit? Because it's just weird, man. It's just yeah. banging on a Casio. <laughs> but it certainly grew on me. Yeah, man, that's so bizarre how, how stuff like that can happen. Like, uh... Look at the the soundtrack for like Texas, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, it's basically the same thing, like just of like odd noises and shit. Yeah, but I mean, it works really well in the movie, but it's definitely not something that you'd want to, you know, sit down and listen to. It'd probably drive you crazy. That's probably the point, I guess. Yeah. Um. But uh. Well, another one I wanted to mention uh, that you might remember is uh, Demon Knight. Demon Knight. Oh, that's Yeah, okay. With Thomas Hayden Church, Billy Zane. Oh, shit. That was uh, one of the uh, Tales from the Crypt movies, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that and Bordello of Blood. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Now, this is probably my favorite soundtrack of all time, uh, just mainly because of the songs on it. It's uh, 
like all these bands that I love so much. And uh, there's actually a song at the end. It's a it's a rap group called uh, Grave Diggers. They have a, a song called One Eight Hundred Suicide, but it's it's formed by a bunch of guys from uh, Wu Tang Clan. Oh, okay. Actually went on to, to to do songs on quite other uh, quite a few other movies, but did you know did a few uh, standalone albums as well. But uh, the title track you, you may remember is a song called "Cemetery Gates" by Pantera. Vaguely, man, it's been a while since I've seen it. It's it's right when the when the film opens is when that song is on. But uh, really, really appropriate. That's cool. I have to check that one out too. That's a great movie too. It's a great uh. Great movie and soundtrack. Look here. But um, um, one I know you remember is the Blade soundtrack. Blade? Yeah. That's again. That's that's been a while since I've seen the first. But you, Blade. I know you cleaned you cleaned up a lot of theaters listening to that that music. Jeez, did I? Yeah, I did. Did I? I know I did because I, I shook my ass all around the theater when I was listening to it. I was like really, really into techno music at the time. And that's, a, that's a great soundtrack. It, it still applies to the movie too. It works so well with the movie. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, these soundtracks are almost like an old character in a movie, you know? They can help influence you know how you feel in a particular time in a movie if it if it wasn't for that awful cgi at the end of blade blade would be a fucking perfect movie oh the blood and shit oh man the the whole big whatever you know that uh i'm blanking on the guy's name right now but you know the the main bad guy he uh gets all that shit injected in he did the uh what those uh vapor cigarette commercials recently. Yeah, he did. Oh. He was in uh the gate. Oh Brad Dorf. Brad Dorf, that's it. No. Wait, no no. Steven Steven Dorf? Steven Dorf, there we go, yeah. There we go. Here, that's him. Is he any relation to Brad Dorf? I don't know. I, I, I'm sure I said the wrong damn name, dude. No. Um, well, you know, uh, Brad Dorf's the guy who did, like, the voice of Chucky and everything. That's Dorf with an I. Right? Oh, okay. okay. It's spelled yeah, that's different. A different. Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay. I, I know of uh, the Brad Dorf. Yeah, he was in... Uh, well, he's been in a lot of stuff, man. He was in... Uh, Graveyard shift. He was in Exorcist Three. Did you like his role in Exorcist Three? I have not seen Exorcist Three. Two or three. You can skip two. Three's awesome now. You know, I've been wanting to see two just because of how awful people say it is. Neil Walcotti did a soundtrack for that one. I I know. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's. I just I just want to check it out, man. 
But uh, yeah, some others I I have here that are again pretty obscure. Uh, one is some uh, some Vincent Price movies. Um. Uh, Doctor Fives Rises Again. Mm-hmm. That's a really good score. That's John Gale. Uh, that I, I love that soundtrack. But the one I really love is Theater of Blood. What is this? Oh yeah. Uh, Michael J. Lewis. That's that's such a great uh, soundtrack. It, it goes well with the uh, with the uh, with the subject matter. But uh, one you you may remember would be uh, Return to Oz. Yeah. That is, uh, David Shire did the soundtrack for it. Man, I love that. The uh, the Oz Ragtime March, I guess, at the end. Uh, uh, he did his music in such a way where it sounds like it could have come from uh, the turn of the last century. Uh, um, <laughs> That's crazy, uh, it, which is, I, don't, I don't really remember the score in that one. Well, what's weird about it is this same dude just prior to that had done uh, the soundtrack to, uh, I think it's Saturday Night Fever. Okay. So, uh, I mean, it's like, totally different, you know? So, well, that's a great score. Um, shit. And you know what? Just while I'm thinking about it, just a theme I remember uh, will be the Unsolved Mysteries theme. Oh, yeah. That just how music sticks with you, you know? That theme still creeps me out. Uh, you wouldn't believe how many times that, that's, that theme is sampled, like in rap songs and stuff, either. Really? Oh, yeah. That's another very, I, uh, you know, very memorable theme. Yeah. I'm sure they grew up with the, watching the show, too, so... Oh, yeah. Sure. Um, um, yeah, another memorable theme would have been uh, X Files. Oh man, uh, Mark Snow. Uh, yeah, Mark Snow. He did Millennium as well, I think. But yeah, I don't. I, I haven't really heard a whole lot that he's done lately. I, I don't know, man. That may have been his one big thing. And it was huge. Did you ever listen to... They They actually put an X-Files album out around the late 90s? I... There was an album. They also put a soundtrack out. I picked that. Yeah. Uh, Songs to the Key of X. That's it? Yeah, yeah that's it. That's it? Okay. Foo Fighters was on there. Um, the Man in the Park, I think it was called. Something like that. Their song. Mm-hmm. That's a great song. It's a, uh, it's actually a, uh, I guess you call it a remake of a of an older song. Hmm. Oh man. Yeah, there's a lot of memorable music coming out there, even in, into the nineties. Um. You know, David Arnold, you know, he did Independence Day. Okay. Um, he did the 98 Godzilla, which the opening theme for the 98 Godzilla is awesome. 
that's the only thing I'll give that movie. I love that scene. Um, but, uh, you know, he also did all the uh, Brosnan uh, Bonds, except for Goldeneye. So he did a lot of that awesome, you know, techno, I guess, uh, version of the Bond theme and all that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I like what he did with it. I do. Uh, the Bond soundtracks of the 90s were pretty good, I think. But, um, the, uh, sorry to sorry to interrupt you here, but the uh, song I was talking about by the Foo Fighters was Down in the Park from the band uh, Tubway Army from 1979. Okay. And they redid that, that song. And that track also had uh, a song by Sheryl Crow, Danzig, uh, let's see, PM Dawn, Meat Puppets, Soul Coughing, and you know, Mark Mark Snow had a few remixes on there of the original theme. And uh, just hearing those names takes me back to the nineties. Oh man, I know it. And these were all songs that were in the show, I think, at one point or another. Oh, I don't doubt it. As I know, I remember hearing the song when I rewatched the X Files. One of the last times uh, I heard that that Foo Fighters song, I, I really liked that song. I'm trying to remember what song that was on the Godzilla album. Foo Fighters did. Did one on there. Really? Um, I can't remember what it was. That, that was actually pretty good. I just don't really remember what it was called. Mm. Godzilla, the album. It was... Uh, Foo Fighters was A320? That sounds right, yeah. yeah. And the song... That's probably why I don't remember it. I don't remember it. Um, Jamiroquai was on there, Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. Rage Against the Machine was on, like, six different fucking albums that year. When they were really big, like, they were on The Matrix. Remember, I think, like, at the end of The Matrix, that was their track. Mm Mm-hmm. It was a bunch of movies that they were on. And I'd been a fan of Rage Against the Machine for like five years before that, so I was like, "All right, come on, sellouts," you know. Just you know, I used to love these guys before anybody knew who they were. Now everybody fucking knows them. You know, they're a household name. But that's that's just how it is. What was that you put on the website? That's all by Sepultura, I guess. Oh, Sepultura. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're a... Boys uh, in the land of freeze-dried Godzilla parts. <laughs> uh, they're, I played that for you back in the day. It's, uh, uh... Yeah, I remember. Yeah, Biotech is Godzilla. Oh, that one. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. I have no, <laughs> no idea what it means, but... It's uh, they're a uh, Brazilian band, so they they sing all their shit in Portuguese. So I have no idea what they're talking about. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> see, I remember that. I remember you playing that. Yeah. Uh, 
I think that was at Brian's. Probably was. I think so. Um, man, um, uh, you have any others? I'm just trying to think of. Well, I just had a few honorable mentions: the uh, the Crow soundtrack and the Crow City of Angels soundtrack. Okay, I, you know, I keep hearing Crow City of Angels is actually uh, decent. You know, I don't even remember the movie. See, I wasn't a big fan of the Crow movie either. Yeah, I've only, I only saw it once back around after it came out. That's it. I think it's overrated, but I'm going to get fucking crucified for saying that because people fucking love that movie. But, uh, yeah, the Crow soundtrack, I mean, the main one I remember is uh, uh, a song by The Cure called Burn. Mm-hmm. And Stone Temple Pilots is on there. Nine Inch Nails, of course. Rage Against the Machine again. Um, Helmet. I was a big fan of Helmet. Pantera's on there. It's just a great soundtrack all the way through. I'm sure more of our listeners would, uh, would, uh, probably prefer the stuff you listen to over the stuff I'm listening. Well, I mean, this is not really even stuff that I like anymore. I just liked at the time. But I don't know. Who knows? But uh, the Crow City of Angels had uh, a song by Hole, Joel <sighs> Dust Woman. It's fucking names. Yeah. Well, you remember Hole? Yeah. That's, that's fucking Courtney Love. I remember Hole. That's... Uh, and that's a uh, like a remix of a or a, a remake of a uh, Fleetwood Mac song. Oh, okay. And then uh, I'm seeing a theme here. And then White Zombie. This is one of the last songs I remember that White Zombie did as White Zombie before they Rob Zombie, you know, started doing a, a solo act, just calling himself Rob Zombie. They did "I'm Your Boogeyman," performed by KC and the Sunshine, or was it originally performed by KC and the Sunshine Band? That was of the Watchmen soundtrack. The original version? Uh, yeah, yeah, I believe it was the original version. Probably, it wouldn't be this crazy ass shit. <laughs> Not a big fan of that that song in particular. And uh, let's see, uh, Iggy Pop, Corn's on there, Bush is on there. Bush did a bunch of soundtracks too during the, you know, back in the day. I don't know if you remember the uh, American Werewolf in Paris. The main track Christ, there I do. was uh, oh. was a Bush song. It was the oh shit, it was a remix of one of their other popular songs. But uh, yeah, that, that was on. That was a the remix is actually better than the original song off their second album. Hmm. Did you like that movie? Uh, no. Oh, no. Come on, in the least. I saw it. I guess Thanksgiving Day or Christmas Day. Christmas Day, yeah. And uh, what did you say uh, Christmas Day for? 
A couple of friends of mine wanted to see it. It's it's. Uh, I watched it by myself. Should have gone with you. Uh, uh, I regret it. I saw that <laughs> in Dracula 2000. Uh, like that, and and uh, I, I would have rather just been, you know, hanging out with my family or some shit than watching that trash. Was Dracula 2000 uh, like on Christmas? I think so. Oh man, you lucked out. Yeah, I sure did. Jeez, that's a terrible one. Fucking. Right, the movies have been good. It'd be one thing, but they were. Uh, they were they were really really shit. Well, yeah, hey, I, I tell you a good one I saw on Christmas Day was uh, was AVP Requiem. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I did luck out then. That uh. That that ruined my uh, two year tradition of watching a horror movie on Christmas. Uh, I uh, put again. the nail, put my six nails right in the coffin. God, that movie is such such shit. The only good thing about that movie is it makes the first AVP look good. Uh, you know, and that's exactly what's going through my head. That's exactly what I think too. I will sit back and watch AVP now, just because it's not AVPR. Right. But that was who, uh, by like the brothers McMullen or some shit? I don't the know. Brother Ralph? Ralph's brothers. Uh, they were brothers something or other. I don't think they've done shit since. They shouldn't. I mean, they took two two licenses. And, oh, you're right. That's Ralph's brothers. You're right. I thought you were joking, but yeah, you the Brother Strauss. How fucking pretentious is that? To credit yourself as that? Uh, well, they, I don't. Th- I doubt they can do that anymore. Since they made that awful garbage. I I really actively hate movies. Usually, I'll, I won't like them. I'll just leave them alone. I hate AVPR. Other two. Um, well, because it, it totally rapes two franchises that you love. Well, it makes them into a shit-ass slasher movie. That's all it was. Oh. Um, I mean, uh, whatever. I mean, it was really, really, really dumb. Uh, it takes a concept of the Predator Alien, which I loved in the comics, and turns it into a, a turd. The, uh, yeah, that was about it. They directed that, and uh, oh, Jesus Christ! They did Skyline too. Did you see Skyline? No, I didn't. I saw Skyline. If I had known they did it, I wouldn't have seen it. It was garbage too. <laughs> That's got the, uh, the dude from Dexter in it. Yeah, on hell. I thought. Yeah, I thought about seeing it, man, but I just never did. So, oh, man. I won't, uh... Let me read you this all-star cast in here. We got uh, yeah. we got Donald Donald Faison. We got David Zayas. That's uh, that's on Hill from uh, from Dexter. We got uh, yeah. Brittany Daniel. Brittany Daniels. 
Remember her from, uh, she was in Joe Dirt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, see, I don't want a bunch of Joe Dirt, but yeah, I do. She's totally butchered herself with plastic surgery, but she's in there. Oh, good. And then uh, Eric Balfour is, like, the main dude in there, and he's, uh, he was in, like, the the Chainsaw Massacre remake and uh, a bunch of TV. He's done nothing but a bunch of shit. So, uh, yeah, that's a, a fucking great one. The uh, the trailers look really cool for it. That was the problem. Yeah, they did. They did. That's... I guess that's what trailers are for. Again, I, I made the mistake of listening to the fucking trailer. It showed all the best parts in the trailer. But, uh... Well, shit, man. We've rambled on for quite a while. Do you have anything else you wanted to add? Uh, I mean, the only other composer I can think of would have been uh, James Horner. He did uh, he did Star Trek too, I believe. Oh but, man, uh, the best one. Yeah, yeah, he's the one I think who came up with that theme that was used for Next Generation. Because, uh, you know, the Star Trek Two theme, it wasn't even used in the first Star Trek movie, I don't think, but it was used in two, and, and then it was used in TNG. But uh, he also did the soundtrack for... Do you want me to hum a few yeah, bars yeah. of it? Yeah, go ahead, do it. Go ahead, do it. I know you want to. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, let's keep doing that one. Nailed it. Uh, there you go. Uh, he did, uh, Land Before Time. Oh, really? Yeah. I think he did, uh, American Tale as well, but I'm not sure. But he did, uh, Titanic. Oh, shit, yeah. There's his money in the bank. Yeah. I like the music for Titanic. I really do. Uh, uh, I've never seen Titanic. Oh, you need to watch it. Um, Become the only person on Earth that hasn't seen Titanic. Probably. I'm probably the only person on Earth that hasn't seen Avatar. Um, yeah, I, I only watched it because of the hype. I wanted to tell people how shitty it was. But I'm not going to say it was shitty. Because it wasn't. But I didn't care for it. Um, but, uh, he did, uh, Braveheart. Ah, okay, yeah, I I wanted to mention a few of uh, Mel Gibson's films as well. Uh, Yeah, The only, the only soundtrack I'm seeing on The Land Before Time is performed by Diana Ross. (laughs) What? If we can hold on together. This is the name of the song? Oh, okay. Okay, good. So you, you're going into like the... No, like I'm the, just looking at the soundtrack, and that's all it yeah. says. That's... That's fucking... You know, one thing I saw, I'm just out of nowhere here. I was looking up at Practical Jokers, and uh, you know how you can Google it now, and it will pop up information just through Google? Oh, and, yeah. Um, it had the pictures of the four of them, but it had... Sal and Joe, and then it had a picture of that one dude who gave that polygraph to Murr in that one episode. 
I'm gonna pull it up. <laughs> and then, uh, and then it had Q and uh, Murr. Yeah, dude, it was. I was like, "What the hell? Who is this guy?" I thought maybe he had been in the, you know, some of the later episodes I haven't seen. But it's uh, not doing no. that. It's not doing that on mine. Well, well I did for me yesterday. I have to. Uh, when we get off of here, I'll, I'll see if it's still doing it. And I'll take a picture and send it to you. Daniel, Daniel Ribicoff. Yeah, I see you're talking about. He's from the the. We were just talking about this show the other day, the uh, the Steve Wilco show, the guy from the Bodyguard from Jerry Springer. Really? <laughs> awesome. That's that's what that guy's from. He was like the polygraph guy on that show, apparently. Wow. See, I didn't. I never watched that show. I didn't either. But, uh, I was aware of him because, I mean, there are always various midgets trying to kill Jerry Springer, and he would have to fight through them, you know, throw them across the audience and shit. (laughs) Who was like, that guy needs his own show. Wait, wait, who's that bald dude? Give him his own show immediately. Hey, the guy that never talks, give him a talk show. Does any of that stuff still come on? I think Mari Povich may. Yeah, Mari's been not the real father. He's been doing that shit for like 50 years now. I'm never home at that time of the day. But uh, if I was, I'd be chanting Mari. <laughs> or Jerry. Uh, I'd be chanting Jerry at the wrong show. I don't think of anything else here, man. Uh, well, uh, who did the um, score for uh, the Patriot? That was uh, that was John Williams. Was it okay? That's a good soundtrack. It is. Uh, yeah, I love the soundtrack for Ed Wood in the movie. Uh-huh. That's, uh, that's Howard Shore. See, that's uh, apparently uh, Danny Elfman and uh, Tim Burton had kind of a falling out while making uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh-huh. So uh, Danny Elfman did not do Ed Wood, which is odd. Um, he came back. I mean, they reconciled, and he came back for a large attack, uh, I guess, two years later. But... Um, yeah, I mean, um, Howard Shore's done all kinds of awesome stuff. He did the King Kong remake. He did Lord of the Rings, I believe. Did the history of violence, no. history of violence, and Easter Promises. Yeah, did the King Kong remake. Yeah, he saw yeah, a lot of good stuff. Um, I mean, look here. I there was a story with the King Kong remake soundtrack. So this guy, Howard Shore, is one of uh, David Cronenberg's guys. He's done a lot of his movies. Okay. Um, But Howard Shore did do the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. Uh, I think he's doing The Hobbit as well. Uh, No, what I was getting at is Howard Shore originally did a soundtrack for King Kong. It wasn't good enough for Peter Jackson, so he brought in James Newton Howard for it. 
Oh, I've never heard Howard Shore. He did an entire soundtrack. Is it released anywhere? I don't know, man. You may be able to find bootlegs of it. You know, that's a big budget movie. They can do some shit like that. Oh, I know. I know. That's that's just another example of Peter Jackson's, uh, you know, blowing everything out of proportion for that thing. Yep. And look how great the movie turned out. Uh, you know, I, I still think there's a good movie in there. It needs to be trimmed out. Um, Peter Jackson has a problem with length. Yeah, he does. That's what she said. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he's compensating. But, uh, no, seriously, like, you can't be making three-hour-long movies every time, dude. Like, chill the fuck out. Scale your goddamn budget back. Hire 100,000 less fucking New Zealanders. <laughs> that's that's my thing. Look at The Hobbit. The Hobbit could have used one movie. He would have still made it too long in one movie with three hours. Yet he's doing three movies at three hours each. Right. That, that's, that's bullshit. That's what everyone says about those movies is it should have just been one movie. Well, I mean, the story is a pretty short story, particularly for uh, for Tolkien. So, yeah. I, I I don't I don't get that shit. That crap is. Uh, uh, yeah, no. it's ridiculous. And, and the thing is, Peter Jackson could he could do a good movie scaled down. He's always gonna have meet the feeble so. <laughs> uh, yeah, anybody who hasn't seen that, check out Meet the Feebles. Do not watch it with your kids in the room. Uh, it's on YouTube. It, it's fucked up. Just because it has puppets, children don't need to be anywhere near it. But, um... Uh, no, I, I'm, I fell off the fucking P, the Peter Jackson train a long time ago. I think that dude is over-fucking-rated. Like... I like Dead Alive a lot. I like a couple of those fucking uh, Lord of the Rings movies, and I'm out, man. That King Kong movie is a fucking turd. I don't care what anybody says. That's a fucking shiny ass turd, man. It's shiny as fuck, but it's still a turd. He's <laughs> just sitting there polishing it. I mean, <laughs> get a green screen for that green screen and then put a turd on it. Then he just goes up there on a green screen, just takes a huge shit. And uh, that's King Kong. Jack Black well, eats it. I mean, he has the exact same problem that, like, George Lucas does, you know? Like, you just, like, just because the technology exists doesn't mean you need to use it, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like mean, nobody is there to tell you no. I mean, you know, we all we all shit on those, you know, the early or the, you know, the the Star Wars prequels. We all shit on those how shitty they look now. Same things with King Kong, and it's you know five years newer than those movies are. Yeah, I mean, they're all going like crap. In ten, in ten years, they're all going like crap. You just don't need to do it. I mean. 
don't CGI everything on the fucking screen except Jack Black's ass, you know? <laughs> Just his ass. And give him Swagger's ass. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just too much stuff. Like I was saying, nobody tells them no, and Spielberg's got that problem too. Yeah, why the War of the Worlds didn't turn out as good as it should have. <clears throat> still, though, as bad as the War of the Worlds is, I mean, I I, I still think it's better than some of these other films they're talking about. Oh, I, I love aspects of War of the Worlds. I just, uh, I think if he had done it in the 80s or even the early 90s, it would be totally different. But again, though, I mean, it doesn't need a budget that high, you know? No, 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 not at all. Well, I guess we have rambled on here. Uh, I, just, I'm still pissed off about that. Everybody, everybody rants and raves about how awesome fucking King Kong is. Oh, dude, I've heard people bitching about it. A lot of people. You know, the best scene in the movie is when they're in that uh, canyon and those giant weather crickets are all over them. <laughs> and that dude is uh, shooting with that Tommy gun. Oh, and yeah. all he hits is a cricket. You know, they <laughs> hit the dude it's on. Yeah. Um, that was stupid. <laughs> and my thing is, you had that going on. They had to CGI this cricket on this guy boiling around. Right. They had to have known how stupid that looked while they were doing it. <laughs> you know, maybe they did. Maybe they were crying while they did it. You know, the uh, the dude who were rendering it, Peter Jackson's like, that's fucking excellent. You know, have more cricket bits. You know, and then right. just start wailing and crying while they're doing it. While they're like in a sweatshop making CGI for Peter Jackson. <laughs> Little Korean kids, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, stop trying to employ the entire state of, or the entire country of New Zealand. Yeah, which is exactly what they do. Which uh, I, I'm not going to understand that, you know, but come on, give me a break. He goes overboard with it. I guess. I guess it's because that's his home. But I don't know. Yeah. Um. That could be a whole other podcast that you're just bitching about. Um. You know, extravagance in movies. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good idea. Uh, yeah, it is. Oh shit, man! We can go ahead and get off here if you want to. Yeah, yeah. I guess we'll. I'm not even sure what time it is, but we'll go ahead and cut it off. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, yeah guys. Done. <laughs> You've been listening to Two Peas on a Pod, and uh, check us out at Two Peas on a Pod on Twitter, and uh, give us some feedback. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, let us know if you have any. Show ideas, topics, any movies you want us to discuss, anything cool like that. Thanks for listening.